Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. So on today's podcast, I think we're going to put you all to sleep. No, that's not true. We never do that on this show. If you've never listened before, one of the things that we do is we interview entrepreneurs who are doing unique things in the world. I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do because I think it's exciting to find out the path that people are on, what got them there, what they did before, and how they're kicking butt and taking names in the businesses that they're running now. Uh, we've gone 375 episodes over now about four years, and we're not stopping anytime soon. And I keep inviting uh, more interesting and more interesting people onto the show, and today is going to be no different. So today's guest is Rockwell Shaw. Now, he runs a business and has an app called Paziz. Now, the reason I said we might put you to sleep is if you were sitting there and asked me, Tom, what does your friend Rockwell do? What I would tell you is he puts people to sleep at the push of a button. Now, I actually am a user of this app. I travel quite a bit. Uh, I have a, a sort of an occupational hazard. Being a professional speaker, I spent 125 nights in hotel rooms last year. And there's a little bit of an occupational hazard that I don't sleep well the first night that I'm in a hotel. So I'm actually a consumer of what Rockwell does and has been for, for, for about six months. So I actually know the product. I think the product is great. I wanted to have him on the show because I love to have people on the show where I know a little bit about what they do, uh, even though uh, I want him to share more with you. So Rockwell Shaw, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Tom, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So, you know, I never do justice. I don't like to read bios that PR people send and stuff like that. So who is Rockwell Shaw and what do you do? <laughs> Rockwell Shaw is a really hard worker trying to bring some dreams to reality. Um, I graduated from Cornell University in mathematics and economics in 2010. At that time, I was working at a medical software company called For Patient Care. And I was a remote technical support agent at For Patient Care. The entire company was remote. And over the course of uh, a number of years, I worked my way up from remote tech support to becoming president of that firm. Oh, well, and fascinating, fascinating, um, fast trajectory. <laughs> yeah, I learned, uh, I learned a lot. I learned how to run a, a support team, a development team, a sales team, accounting team, development. Team. I mean, the, basically full stack uh, from the ground up. And when you get that kind of picture and insight into an organization, you naturally want um, to start your own. And you naturally want, at least for me, uh, wanted to do something that had a bit of a bigger impact. So do you think you always had a little bit of that entrepreneurial spirit? When you said you were a mathematics major, it doesn't, you know, entrepreneurship and math major doesn't normally always seem to jump to a, a connection point in people's minds. Well, I think entrepreneurs come in all, all shapes and sizes. I mean, for me, from an early age, it was always like that. Uh, even when I was in high school, I was trying to figure out ways, you know, I'd, I'd buy and sell computers on the side to make extra money, you know, buy them off of these, you know, crazy discount sales online or at Best Buy, you know, put a little extra more RAM into them and resell them on Craigslist for, for a bit more. Uh, I mean, there were always these things on the side that were going on constantly that I was, 
I was pursuing. Hmm. And, you know, that, I don't think that mindset necessarily fits any particular category. You know, I've met great entrepreneurs that have very artistic mindsets, you know, that come from more HR backgrounds or more architecture backgrounds or more engineering background. I mean, you name it, they're there. Um, But they all have some commonalities. So, so I'm going to go off topic here and just ask you a question about being a mathematics major, just to totally just sure. go totally off a thing. So, when when you were at Cornell, did you take the did, were you part of the did you take the Putnam exam, the Putnam competition as a mathematics major? <laughs> no, I didn't. So, no. are are you familiar with what it is? Yes, I, I'm very familiar. So, the, the young man that my daughter dates won it last year. He was a Putnam fellow. He was one of the five uh, who won the Putnam wow. competition last year, and actually. All three members in 2017 of the Carnegie Mellon math team for the Putnam actually were three of the five Putnam fellows. And so I always joke when people ask me about my daughter's boyfriend, I say, he won math. It's like the NCAA, for those of you who don't know what the Putnam is, it's like the NCAA championship of mathematics. Yeah, I mean, that's incredibly impressive um, on multiple levels. So Yeah, I met a, pers- I met a person on an airplane who was uh, a math professor and had been a Putnam fellow in like the 1970s. And I said, oh, I know what that is. And I told him why I knew. And the guy jumped out of his chair on the airplane almost. He was so excited that I, I knew a Putnam fellow. And I'm, apparently in the world of math, that's a big deal. It is. It's, it's very big. You know, for me, I was, always, uh, I was always interested in the quirky questions in, in math and economics and physics. Like I pursued a lot of, um, a lot of, non-core subjects in those fields that just always interest me. So there were guys though that were absolutely amazing at these types of competitions that would just wreck anyone. It was incredible. <laughs> he was also in high school before we knew him. He was also a, a gold medalist in the International Math Olympics. So this guy knows math. So uh, I, I defer <laughs> all, all family math questions now. I defer to my daughter's boyfriend. But uh, getting back to you, so you, you ended up quickly rising up and, and running this company, and then you said you sort of had this desire to start your own thing. So was Paziz your first start, or did you try something else? You know, Paziz was uh, not the first company that I've ever started in my lifetime, but it was the first company that I, I started um, after for patient care, after doing the medical software company. So let's talk and, about let's talk about Paziz. How did you start it? Where did the idea come from, etc.? Yeah, this is a Paziz has a really interesting history. Um, as a product, Paziz has been around for about twenty years, and uh, it was uh, it was originally a hardware device that you know people like Tony Robbins bought and drove and really liked. Uh, it eventually morphed into desktop software. Um, and then eventually first generation mobile apps and second generation mobile apps. And the original creators of Paziz, uh, ran into a problem when they were transitioning. Paziz had always been a paid product. And when they were transitioning from, um, you know, a one-time paid product to what they wanted to be, which was a freemium model, they relaunched the second generation mobile app totally for free. And so they forgot the emium part of freemium. <laughs> and, and as an entrepreneur, um, you know, you learn sometimes the hard way that if you don't have a real business model, you can find yourself in trouble fairly quickly. And so when we, uh, myself and my partner came along and we looked at what was happening with Paziz, 
And we just thought it was such a shame that here was a product that had been used for a number of years, clearly had done a lot of good for people, um, was doing a lot of good in the world. The, the people that used it loved it, but you know, it didn't have a core driving force behind it to take it to the next level, to take it to you know, years of, of continued growth and product development and bringing you know, the mission of great sleep to the world. And, and that really resonated with me. You know, I spent about 10 years in medical software. No doctor ever emailed me and said, thank you, you changed my life. <laughs> uh, we had, we had thousands, thousands of customers. No one ever said thank you. And one of the most refreshing things about doing Kaziz is that every day somebody Facebook messages or tweets or emails and just says, thank you. I mean, you changed my sleep or you changed my life. I mean, there's some people that even go so as far as to say, you know, they were, they were on the verge of suicide and it, their insomnia was driving them mad and Paziz was the only thing that could help them. Hmm. And when you get messages like that, it totally changes your perspective. You know, I used to believe as an entrepreneur that I loved creating products and in doing Paziz, I realized what the truth was for myself at least is I don't love creating products. I love actually making people happy. I love changing. I love how the products interact with people to help improve their lives. And that's what I really enjoy. And that was one of the things that I learned in, in complete stark contrast. And you know, it took me years to learn this lesson. And I never realized what was driving my entrepreneurial behavior. But when I finally, you know, when I finally started doing Paziz and growing the company and turning it around, I mean, that was, that was one of the biggest lessons I learned for myself. So how did you and your partner get connected with them? Since it's a 20-year-old business, how did, how did it end up in your hands? What was the connection point, and how did you, how did you make that that, that Sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Um, so Paziz was a product that wasn't a company. Um, and the company that owned Paziz, the product, was a company called Brainwave Technologies. And we, uh, you know, we struck up a deal with... Um, the, the company that originally owned this, we actually set up a company called Paziz LTD based out of the UK. And then we acquired the assets for Paziz, the product and put it into the new company. Now, the thing is, is that what we really acquired was the name because the most of the product and its, its software needed massive overhaul. So we actually rebuilt Paziz from the ground up. We put an entirely new team together um, and an entirely new vision. You know, one of the things that one of the things that was core to us is that you know, this is a really woo-woo area. You know, you can, <laughs> I mean, you can quickly get into the realm of like uh, you know, copper bracelets that, that help your back pain type thing or, or crystals that will, you know, alleviate your headaches. And, you know, we are, we, we strongly tote this line between what's cutting edge and what's scientifically accurate and what's been shown to work in the clinical realm. I know many of us on the team have backgrounds in, in science and in clinical settings. So one of the things that was incredibly important to us was revamping Paziz with real science, with what was happening in labs, what was happening in academia. And the thing that people don't realize is so much amazing research 
just sits on the shelves. Mm -hmm. It never gets to see the light of day. And so because of our, our unique backgrounds, we thought, well, wow, wouldn't it be amazing to really, you know, take this on and infuse it with, uh, with what's, what's really been shown to work. So you've been working for yourself for a long time in either, you know, a CEO role or then starting up or restarting up this company. What do you love about the life of being an entrepreneur versus kind of being the corporate America, you know, person in, in, in just the, the climbing the ladder? Deciding your own destiny. Um, the, the thing that excites me is being able to dream up the possibilities and become them, make them a reality. Right. And so you don't have anybody that says you have to do it in this way. You have to be put in this particular box. Right. And that can be one of the most enticing and exhilarating feelings, but also terrifying mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, nobody's connecting the dots for you. Nobody's telling you what to do. You know, you, the plan is not created by you know, some head or some CEO or some other outside entity. You're creating the plan. And for some people, that's completely terrifying for me. I love it. So what advice do you have for somebody who's listening, who wants to go out and do their own thing? Maybe they want to start their own business. Maybe they want to buy an existing product and, and, and relaunch it. What, what would you tell somebody? What are the steps they need to do? I think the biggest mistake people make with the, the process of entrepreneurship is they, they think about a product or they think about an idea as a first, as a first level. You know, they say something along the effect of, wouldn't it be cool if X, Y, Z existed? And then they go about and they, they try to create that thing. Not even thinking about, you know, is there really a market? Will people use it? If, if people use it, will it be sticky? You know, does it actually have um, a future? And one of my biggest recommendations, especially to newer entrepreneurs, is think about what is your marketing channel going to be for distribution of this thing that you want to create, whether it's a a business to business avenue where you're working with other businesses and selling them a product or service, whether it's a business to consumer business where, you know, you are directly selling to consumers. How are you, one of the biggest problems you're going to have to solve is how are you going to distribute this product or service? Because what ends up happening is through the distribution mechanism, you start understanding the problems those people have and in what ways you can solve those problems and in what dimensions that solution needs to take on in order to be successful. You know, uh, um, you know, we see this all the time um, in, in a very, um, in a variety of contexts, but you know, one of the things that, that happened uh, earlier on is there was a, there was a company that was offering a, a medical device and they did, they, they created this amazing medical device um, but they didn't understand the channel that they were selling into that they weren't, they were thinking about the end patient. They weren't thinking about the fact that they would have to sell this into pharmaceutical companies or into uh, medical software, um, sorry, medical, uh, medical distributors. 
and what were their requirements, those, those companies' requirements for this type of device to be distributed. And so you get into all sorts of headaches that happen when you don't think about your distribution channel first. So a lot of people start businesses and they're so excited about the potential that they have. So one of the things I teach is what I call the paradox of potential. And that is that potential doesn't equal results. There's this natural gap between the potential we get really excited about and then the results that we have. And some people make it and others don't. What do you think is the delta? What do you think is the, the secret sauce for the people who achieve more? Why do some people get better results than others when maybe they had similar potential when they started? I think there's a variety of reasons for that. Um, you know, one of the biggest ones I think involves persistence. One of the things that I see connects nearly all great entrepreneurs is their level and dedication um, through persistence. And that, I mean, that is pretty clear to me in my own journey on that. Uh, I think another thing that often comes into play is um, their willingness to be wrong and iterate. And this is something that, you know, is tricky to balance because as an entrepreneur, you know, you're going after that big vision, you're trying to create this amazing thing in the world and make dreams into reality. And along the way, you get mixed signals, right? And it's always this balancing act of, you know, do you listen to the signal that's at, that's telling you to pivot or you just continue and push through on whatever it is you're trying to build? And there's, there's a tricky balancing act that I think the, the great entrepreneurs do very well. And um, those who don't make it as far end up not prioritizing what comes along nearly as well. So Rockwell, I've got a couple more questions for you. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Rockwell Shaw. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Rockwell, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing that you're doing with your company right now? Oh, boy. There's a couple of really neat projects we have. Uh, one of the things I'm incredibly excited about is something called Smartphone Sonar. So, people ask us all the time, you know, can you track my sleep? And here's... Because we were very good at putting people to sleep. We're very good at keeping them asleep and then waking them up. Um but we get this question all the time. They, they want to see tracking. And here's the dirty secret that nobody wants to talk about in the quantified self movement, especially as it pertains to sleep is all that data that you see from all of these apps and all of these wearables is completely wholly and terribly inaccurate. <laughs> it is, it is not even close. You mean your Apple, you can, your Apple Watch isn't taking care of every health benefit possible? <laughs> there's a couple of studies that um, are coming out 
or actually have already that have shown that people are now um, <laughs> people are now getting stressed out over what their wearables and their apps are telling them about their health. And so there's a really great study um, we've written about on our blog that people are lying awake thinking about if their sleep quality score is going to be high enough the next day. And if their app is going to tell them that they didn't sleep well enough, <laughs> it's so this crazy not, vicious cycle. They're not getting right? to sleep because they're worried about their sleep. Yeah. I mean, it's insane. It's, it's, it's totally insane. So, so what, um, are, what are you guys doing this different? So one of the things that we set out to do is, you know, we obviously, we, we want to give uh, users access to this data. I mean, they're interested in it and clearly, you know, people want it but we don't want to do it in a way that gives them inaccurate data. So if we're going to do something, uh, I mean, it has to be real. So we started investigating different potential solutions to this problem. And one of the things that we happened upon is a methodology in which you could send out inaudible bursts of sound from the phone to create a 3d map around the phone, a 3d map of the environment around the phone. And using that, you could detect with nearly clinical grade accuracy, someone's frequency of breath and even their heart rate. Mm. Now think about this for a moment. Just using your phone, it doesn't have to be touching you. This has to be within about a meter of your body. You could detect with clinical grade accuracy, your frequency of breath and very potentially your heart rate. That's fascinating. Is that so? Is that stuff ready, or is that stuff coming? Uh, it's in development. I mean, we have a good prototype, and yeah, we we are super excited about it because it. I mean, it has so many different applications, not just for sleep, but you know, especially for sleep, we can show people really accurate information around their sleeping habits and their sleep cycle without them wearing a wearable because nobody likes to wear things at night. And with real accuracy that hasn't really been seen on the consumer market yet. So I love using the app when I'm trying to sleep and I just use the, the free version. But I love using the app because I like the fact that it, uh, first of all, I love the way it wakes me up. If I can stay asleep, and I'll be honest, I don't always stay asleep, but it helps me get to sleep when I'm in a strange environment like a hotel room. But I love sort of the soft way the app wakes me up. I always feel like I have a better day. If I can get a good night's sleep and that app is set, and I only use it in hotels because my wife doesn't want anything in the room that will disturb her. But boy, I love the way the app wakes it up. Is there something special about the way you guys do it? How come I feel so good when your app wakes me up versus any other thing? So th this is really interesting. There's a number of things that we're doing uh, we spend three and a half minutes, generally speaking, waking somebody up from sleep. And we've specially designed the music and the sounds to bring you gently out of slumber. And there's a whole area of psychology that deals with how music affects the body. It's called psychoacoustics. And we use a lot of different psychoacoustic principles, not only to put people to sleep, but also to wake them up. Well, like I said, I think I think it's great. So I, I'm I'm a big fan of 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 the app. Hey, I love to ask the people who come on this show because we could talk about Paziz and we could talk about you and your background all day long, but it's only a half hour show. 
So I love to ask the people who come on the show, who do you admire in the world of entrepreneurship where you look at them and you think, hey, hey, she or he, they're doing something really cool. I mean, there's so many people that I think we can learn lessons from. Um, you know, for me personally, there are bigger names in entrepreneurship, you know, the uh, Jeff Bezos of the world or the uh, Satya Nadella's or, um, you know, Elon Musk, those types of characters that are going after really big, uh, really big ideas and, and making dreams that some of us think are impossible a reality. And that's, you know, as an, in an abstract sense, because, you know, I don't know those people personally. Um, that's amazing. And that's very inspiring. On a more personal level, you know, the people that truly inspire me are the ones that I have uh, interaction with um, on a personal level. So there's a, there's a guy named Josh Ogle, who's the CEO of samples.com. And uh, he was a college buddy of mine. And then just to watch him grow and watch the type of entrepreneur he has become and the amount of change he's, he's creating in the world is fascinating. And he's a, he's a great guy. Um, and, and there's a number of people, you know, there's Dr. Jeffrey Guterman, who is uh, the chief research and innovation officer for LA County Health. You know, he is uh, and not only an amazing businessman and an amazing medical mind, he's an uh, amazing entrepreneur. And, you know, from the healthcare side, so many entrepreneurs don't understand how healthcare and especially in America works. And so they come in guns blazing, um, thinking that they're going to be able to uh, just change the world and move fast and break things. And that's, that's not how healthcare works. You know, you can't move fast and kill people. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's just, that methodology just doesn't work that way. And to understand how to maneuver in healthcare and bring products and services uh, and experiences to scale, I think is magical. And I think he does it really well. Um, there's another group of guys uh, that run a, run an app called quit genius. They are amazing entrepreneurs and they are, they are a group of doctors. Also, they are working in healthcare. They help right now. They're helping people uh, quit smoking through cognitive behavioral therapy. And it's to watch their rise. I mean, they went from just being a bunch of students in medical school to having one of the most popular um, uh, apps in the world and they went through, you know, Y Combinator, the, the startup, famous startup school. And now they, they just raised a $2 million round. I mean, they're doing phenomenal and they're early in their entrepreneurship career. But you know, to, to watch that is also inspiring. I think there are things to learn from the entrepreneur's journey at every stage, regardless of where you are at personally, whether you are a very successful, accomplished entrepreneur or just starting out. You can look at people through all throughout the stack and, and get inspiration and be amazed and astounded by, by what they're doing. And frankly, I am very much. Well, that's the purpose of cool things entrepreneurs do. We interview people sort of at all different levels, big company CEOs, uh, solopreneurs, uh, people with startups, people with businesses that are more established, because you never know where you're going to find that one little nugget, that one theory, that one idea 
that's going to make you go, oh yeah, I can do that. And then all of a sudden it changes your whole trajectory. So I love hearing the suggestions that people bring up when I ask them who they admire, because it's usually people who I've never heard of. And so that, you know, I, I write them down and I go and check them out. Some of them later become guests on the show. So I think that that's awesome. Hey, the last question I ask everyone who comes on the show is what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because I think as entrepreneurs, we got to do more than make money. I think there has to be be some sort of a, a cause that we care about. So, so, so what do you do? Some of the most impactful moments in my own life have been um, during giving back. You know, some of the things that some of my most cherished memories. Um, you know, Thanksgiving is often the time when we put food together and, and deliver it to, to folks that, you know, are in need and don't quite have the ability to put food on the table for their families. And Christmas is also another time in which, you know, we've delivered, um, presents. I remember there was, uh, we, we drove up to a very small, um, a very small trailer one year and we had a, a gift, just tons of gifts in a bag. And the trailer looks like it may be held two or three people tops. And we went in and there was a Christmas tree and there were eight kids and two adults in that trailer. Wow. And we, we delivered the presents and I'll never forget the look on that man's face. He was this big, broad shouldered, you know, tough looking dude. And you could just see tears in his eyes because how much it meant to him, you know, to, for somebody to, to deliver a Christmas to their kids. Mm-hmm. And, and those, those moments mean a lot to me and they have impact. I mean, they're not, I'm not going to change the world delivering Christmas presents and Thanksgiving dinners, but I think every, every little bit helps, you know, Um, and there was a, and the thing you never know is how is that one kid impacted and it takes their life on a different level. That's why I often think things like that have payoffs to individuals and to society that you'll never, ever know. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think when I think about giving back, you know, I I think that those, those types of activities are, are important, you know, but I also think giving back should also, at least for me personally, encompass sharing what I know in my own journey, um, to, to other folks. So, you know, when entrepreneurs, I, I get contacted all the time by entrepreneurs of all kinds and, um, they ask for help or they ask for insight. And I try to be generous with my time as much as I can, depending on you know, what's going on in my, in my uh, own life and career at the moment and helping them out, you know, giving introductions, you know, giving them advice on where they are. It's some of the things that I think can be most impactful is really helping out in your own community. You know, oftentimes we think about giving back or charity or, or service as doing it on in some far off land in some far away place for people that you don't know. Um, but I think a core part of the giving back experience is to be there and be present in your own community in ways that can help the people around you. And that's important to me as well. 
Yeah. I mean, I, you know, there's so many people out there who, who teach entrepreneurs and others, you know, oh, protect your time. Never do coffee with that person who calls and wants to pick your brain. And, you know, while you can't do it every day and you can't do it all day long, I think never is really setting up a, a whole generation of people who then put up walls between themselves and helping the next generation. So I'm, I always like it when I hear people like you say, hey, I'm willing to take that call when it's the right situation because people did it for me. You know, when I was starting out, and so that's why I'm always willing to do it now. And it's like that. There's a, there's a whole bunch of people out there who teach people not to do what you just described, and that always rubs me the wrong, that always <laughs> well, rubs me the wrong what, way. What I usually tell those people is, you know, yeah, you get contacted quite often, but it's really easy to qualify people that are contacting you. You know, one of the things that I've seen be a very successful strategy just to filter out the people that are real from the people that are not. They just ask somebody a question and they respond, you know, I've, I've gotten these really lengthy, like two page emails about something. And then I'll ask a simple question or I'll ask them to do a bit of homework or, and then you never hear from them again. Because as soon as you ask them to do a, any bit of work, it fades away. So, right. So and so exactly right. 95% of the people that contact you, you can actually filter out by just asking a simple question or asking them to do something very simple for their own benefit because they won't. Well, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you my trick. So I live in Austin, Texas, and Austin is kind of like a cigar. It sort of grew long and skinny along the two freeways that run north and south. So I happen to live in the far southwest part of Austin, and I get people who they they, they want to start a podcast or you know they yeah. they want to become a professional speaker. And I I speak you know sixty or seventy times a year, and they're like I want to do that. And I'll be like, sure, absolutely, we can have coffee. You know, it's going to be seven thirty in the morning at the Starbucks by my house, and they'll be like, oh. Well, I don't do I don't do mornings or or could you come up to North Austin? Well, no, I can't come up to you know you want free consulting. You've got to come to the Starbucks you know in, in Southwest Austin, and that rules out about forty to sixty percent of the people all the time because they won't do early morning in my neighborhood, and it it cracks me up because it's also opposite of the traffic flow. So if they want me to come to them, I'll sit in traffic for an hour. If they come to me, it's like twelve minutes, and it's like really. That's, that's, that's brilliant. That's so I, another good one. I actually learned that. I was in sales and I was working on a project for the company I worked for. I was being stationed in St. Louis and I was selling advertising for the Chamber of Commerce there in St. Louis. And I called like a local company and the CEO told me, yes, I could come in to sell him whatever I was working on, but it had to be at 630 in the morning at his office and he would just make coffee. And he said, I had to knock on, I had to knock on the door really loud because he'd be the only person there. But he was an early riser. He liked to get to the office before all of his employees. And so he would tell salespeople, yeah, you want to pitch me? You come at 630 in the morning. When I walked in the door, he told me, he goes, you know, only like 20% of the people who I say that to come because you've already got my attention because you're here. Wow. Hey, thank you so much, Rockwell, for being, being on the show. If somebody wants to find out more about you or they're having trouble sleeping and they're ready to, to invest in your app. How do they find you? Best place to find us is at paziz.com. So that's P Z I Z Z.com. You can find us on uh, the app store and Google play under Paziz. In fact, if you just type in P and Z, it'll usually autocomplete the Paziz. <laughs> There's not a lot of other words is. that go PZ. <laughs> There's not, there really isn't. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Paziz, so reach out to us. Awesome. Well, I think you're doing great stuff. I, I know it works because I use it, and uh, it's been a delight having you on the show. I hope that our paths cross again. Tom, thank you so much.
And, great. For, and for those of you who tuned in and listened, I say it every time, if it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. Uh, cool Things Entrepreneurs Do has been growing. We ended up on a couple of really interesting lists of top entrepreneurial podcasts uh, for 2018, hoping that we'll have some more success as we go into the second half of the year. Of course, Inc.com named us one of eight podcasts for entrepreneurs to listen to this year. And uh, the Austinot said that it was one of nine local Austin podcasts that you had to listen to while you're stuck in traffic. And we all know if you live in Austin, you're always stuck in traffic. So you should be listening to cool things entrepreneurs do. Do me a favor, jump over to iTunes, subscribe, and uh, leave a review. It just makes my day better when someone says why they like the show. So we're going to be back in a couple of days with another interview with somebody just as cool as Rockwell Shaw. I know you're thinking, how? How will you find anybody as cool? But I always do. So, but in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you. Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.